Chapter 4 of Life Among the Butterflies by Vance Randolph. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Tatiana Chichilla. Chapter 4 The Case of the Red Silverwing. Having dealt briefly with the transformation of butterflies in general, it may be well to examine more closely into those of a single representative species. For this purpose, I have chosen Dione Vinillae, known as the Red Silverwing, and have described each stage and transition in considerable detail. The following paragraphs are extracts from the daily records of a study I made in southern Kansas, the northern limit of Vinillae's usual range. Oviposition One of the females, alighting upon the upper side of a leaf within ten inches of my face, suddenly elevated the forward part of the body, brought the wings together vertically, curved the abdomen slightly forward, and drew its tip slowly across the surface of the leaf for a distance of approximately twelve millimeters. Remaining quiet for an instant, it lifted the abdomen, showing an egg firmly attached to the leaf. The eggs are laid singly, usually on the upper middle of the leaf. I have never seen more than one upon the same leaf. The egg. The egg measures about 1.12 millimeters in height and 0.7 millimeters in diameter at the widest part, barrel-shaped with 14 vertical ribs. A brilliant yellow at first, it assumes after about 36 hours a reddish-brown color. A few hours later, an irregular, whitish broken ring, not quite circling the egg, appears about one-third of the distance from the top. When within an hour or so of hatching, the shell becomes very thin and transparent, and reflects the light with a sort of frosted glass effect. The large black head of the larva inside gives the upper one-third of the egg a black, metallic appearance, while the yellowish body may be seen curled up in the lower part. The incubation period seems to vary greatly with temperature, from 47 hours to 7 days. The Emergence of the Caterpillar At 2.15 p.m., the larva was clearly visible through the shell. Slight bodily movements were noted, then the very large, shining black head was thrust out at a point on one side of the egg, just below the top. The entire structure rocked and swayed slowly back and forth, inclining toward the side from which the head projected. At 2.19, the larva emerged very slowly, head first. The head and the final segment appeared very large. The entire length was about 1.5 millimeters. The body, yellowish-red. Pro-legs and caudal segment, lemon-yellow. The head, legs, and spines, black. The latter bear no visible branches and appear as stiff, black hairs, each growing out of a slight black protuberance. The beautiful eggshell remains erect, the form being unchanged. There is a ragged hole in it, but it is scarcely noticeable and appears hardly large enough for the egress of the caterpillar. The Caterpillar The newly emerged larva does not venture far from the eggshell, and does not move about much for the first five or six hours. It sometimes devours the shell, but this is not usually the case. At the age of six hours, it appears darker, and the black spots from which the hair-like spines protrude have become more conspicuous. Has not eaten any of the leaf, and has increased in size very little, if at all. At the age of 27 hours, the larva attains a length of 2.3 millimeters, and has eaten several small holes in the center of a large leaf gnawing through the leaf to the transparent epidermis on the opposite side, which is left intact. Usually works from the upper side, but by no means invariably. These smaller larvae seem to always be attached to the leaf with silk, although the threads are very few and fine. More mature larvae feed differently. They grip the petiole with the prolegs and eat from the edge inward and forward, swinging the head toward the midrib with practically no lateral motion. The caterpillar is cylindrical and bears six rows of black branching spines, 12 in each row. As regards color, there are besides the reddish, newly hatched creature described above, two well-defined types, 
the orange drab and the drab orange. In the first, the body appears orange with three narrow drab stripes, and a very narrow lateral line just above the prolegs. In the second, the drab markings become very much more prominent, so that the body now appears drab with four narrow orange stripes. The narrow drab dorsal line of the younger caterpillar becomes very conspicuous in the mature larva, separating the dorsal surface into two distinct orange areas. As the orange drab type seems to embrace all of the smaller larvae, and as those about to pupate belong to the drab orange type, I have assumed that the color change is a matter of maturity. Molting 1.30 a.m. Larva about 21 millimeters, inactive and very dark, extended on lower side of leaf, front of body high, head bent, holding with third, fourth, and anal prolegs. A few silk threads lie flat on leaf near caudal end of body. After some little rippling of muscle, no violent motion, the skin of the body separates from that of the head. The former is very tight. Slowly, segment by segment, it is skinned backward until finally it is left, a crumpled, prickly black ball about four millimeters in diameter, fastened to the leaf by the aforementioned silk. Meanwhile, the head covering, which is all of a piece and bears two large spines, slips forward until it appears to be held in the mandibles, as a hat might be held between the teeth. After a moment, it falls to the ground. The caterpillar now appears somewhat short and a trifle thickened. The head, legs, and prolegs are yellow, the body orange. The spines are only half-size, blunt, yellow, and semi-transparent. The branches appear as black hairs lying flat along the sides of the spines. 11.33 a.m. The spines have now attained practically their normal size, springing out with astonishing rapidity. They are still blunt, yellow, and semi-transparent, but the black branches have reached normal size and assumed their proper position. The two head spines, which were curled backward, have taken on the usual angle. The head, body, and prolegs now appear orange rather than yellow, the head being lightest. The drab dorsal stripe has appeared, but is very narrow. The row of depressions, one in the dorsal center of each segment, is much more conspicuous than usual. 11.50 a.m. Appears quite normal again, except that the spines are not quite as black, showing grayish toward the tips. The black frontal markings appear. Caterpillar rests motionless. 12.10 p.m. Turns about and begins to devour the cast-off skin. With the lens, I watched it begin at the tip of one of the big spines and consume it clear to the root, apparently in about three mouthfuls. The head covering is never eaten. 12.30 p.m. Skin practically consumed. Larva rests motionless, a few of the surplus spines resting beneath the head and thorax. Pupation. 10 a.m. Caterpillar, 37 millimeters long, leaves food plant and begins to wander restlessly about. 1 p.m. Extended motionless, clinging to underside of window frame. 2.30 p.m. Same position. 3.30 p.m. Begins to lay a sparse, ragged network of very fine threads flat to the surface, covering a space of perhaps an inch square. These threads become thinner toward the periphery of the net, where they are hardly visible without a lens. 4 p.m. Spins a little white silk button in the center of the network. The head moves slowly out horizontally in all directions from the button about one half inch, swinging always back to the center. The body is fully extended, the abdomen being away from the button. 4.30 p.m. Interrupted the button making to raise high the caudal third of the body, spreading the anal appendages apart several times. When a pellet of excrement appeared, the caterpillar turned about and pulled it out of the anal opening with the mandibles, holding it thus a moment before allowing it to fall to the floor. 4.45 p.m. Resting, body extended, clasping the button with the third prolegs. 
6 p.m. Fastened to the button. The body is extended horizontally, clinging to the undersurface of the window frame with the pro legs. Head drawn back, legs not touching the surface. 8 p.m. Hanging from the button. The body is thickened to trifle, unshortened to 31 millimeters. Color much lighter. Hangs motionless except for very slight movements of the legs and pro legs. 9 a.m. No change. 10 a.m. The brilliant colors have practically disappeared, leaving the body a pearl gray color, against which the black spines show up with startling distinctness. Movement slight and infrequent. The dorsal thorax is now the lightest part of the body. 11 a.m. Begins to wriggle a little. 11.10 a.m. I note that the spines appear closer together at the caudal end of the body, then see that the skin has split down the back and that the light-colored head of the chrysalis is protruding. By a series of vigorous wrigglings, the skin is slowly forced up to where the tip of the abdomen is attached to the button. Then comes the violent struggle which finally loosens the skin, which hangs for a moment against the ventral abdomen, then falls to the floor. The entire molt is complete in less than five minutes. The Chrysalis When the chrysalis first appears, it is nearly cylindrical, no dorsal depression, no ventral bulge. The head is bent forward, and the whole thing has a compact, slug-like appearance. An hour or so later, the head is no longer bent, and bears two double projections, set wide apart. The wing cases are bulging and prominent. On the dorsal side, opposite the middle of the wing covers, is a U-shaped depression. There are projections on the third, fifth, sixth, and seventh abdominal segments, those on the third being the largest. At first, the head, thorax, and wing covers are translucent and nearly white. The abdomen is a little darker, and bears a ventral bluish stripe on the fourth, fifth, and sixth segments. The four pairs of dorsal protuberances are amber-colored. An hour later, the head and thorax darken somewhat, and opaque whitish veins appear in the wing covers. Distinct black lines mark the outer borders of the forewings, and a black V-shaped mark shows the position of the larger of the three discal spots. Another hour and the translucent appearance is gone. The abdomen and dorsal thorax become much darker, the wing covers grayish-tan, while the bluish ventral stripe turns gray or white. From this time forward, the chrysalis does not change appreciably in form or color, though the latter varies greatly, until about 24 hours before the emergence of the butterfly, when the entire body becomes very dark. The average length of the chrysalis is 28 millimeters, and the white ventral stripe is usually the most conspicuous marking. After the butterfly has emerged, the color variations of the chrysalis still persist in the empty shells, some being much darker than others. Not infrequently, the cast skin of the larva is found attached to the anal portion of the chrysalis. This skin is black, excepting the head, which is gray, and the black branching spines loom large because of the contraction of the empty skin. Sometimes the chrysalids turn bright yellow. These are usually infested by parasites. I have opened many of these pupae, but have never found the parasitic larva itself. The pupae and adults I have often taken, the latter being a small, 2.3 millimeter, green hymenopterous insect, which I have not yet as had the opportunity to classify. Some ten or dozen of these insects emerge from a small round hole, usually in the wing cover, in early August. Pupil Movements The chrysalis seems unable to bend the body toward the back or toward the wing covers. Sidewise, however, it can turn until the body is extended nearly parallel to the horizontal surface from which it is suspended. Six chrysalids which hung in a north window in September 1919, and which I observed for 14 days, were noted to be invariably and unanimously pointed inward, toward the warm room, that is, every morning. During the warmer part of the day, there was no uniformity in position. Six specimens, 14 days, it appears to be more, perhaps, than mere coincidence. 
the pupil sensibility to light and temperature stimuli should be worth investigation. The appearance of the butterfly. Two or three weeks after pupation, the period varies with the temperature from eight days in August to 27 in November, the chrysalis turns nearly black, and a diagonal fissure appears on either side, extending from the back of the head down along the antenna cases, nearly to the middle ventrum. About 12 hours later, after some little wriggling, the ventral triangle formed by the covering of the head, antennae, and mouth parts falls open trapdoor fashion, the antennae covers serving as hinges, and the flexing point being about one-third of the distance up the wing covers from the abdomen. There is also a dorsal cleavage following the medial dorsum to the first abdominal segment, then the outline of the wing covers to a point halfway to the end of the antenna covers. The crumpled winged imago wriggles out and mounts the empty shell, to which it clings by the four hinder limbs, turning the entire body back and forth as if mounted on a pivot. In each of these turns, the body describes an arc of nearly 90 degrees, the body being held stiff. The angle of the body is about 45 degrees from the vertical, the head being uppermost. The proboscis is usually partially unrolled. In five or six hours, the soft, wrinkled wings spread and harden, and the insect is able to fly. A thin, transparent liquid, and sometimes a thick, reddish substance, are voided by the newly emerged butterfly. End of chapter 4